This is Sexy Funny Raw, where we chat all about the world of sex, from dating and relationships all the way to the adult industry itself. I'm Sylvia Sage, and this is my Pornspective, answering all the questions you weren't even brave enough to ask Google. Get ready, because Sexy Funny Raw starts now. Hello, hello, hello. I am so excited to be back in the studio, you guys. I have such a big treat for you today. So uh, everyone already knows that this is a sex education podcast, but I feel like sometimes we get a little away from the education, but not today, you guys. Today we are going jumping, we're diving in the deep end of sex education, and I have someone here with me who is going to be able to answer the questions in ways that I could never have done for you. So without further ado, I want to introduce my new co-star. We're going to call him Dr. Eddie. This is Dr. Eddie Picaris. He is a medical anthropologist, a men's health researcher, and lecturer in public health. He is perhaps best known for his research on male sex workers in New Orleans, which examine the lives and experiences of the heterosexually identified male sex workers engaging in sex with men. Currently, he is doing research on the recreational use of erectile dysfunction medication in healthy men and the, I'm going to mess this up, social cultural aspects of becoming increasingly uh, psychologically dependent. Big words. There are big words in here, you guys. I'm really trying. He has published widely in public health, medicine, and anthropology and has been teaching public and global health for over seven years. He has conducted field research in Asia, Europe, and urban North America, mostly in New Orleans, New York, Detroit, and now Los Angeles. Please welcome my friend, Dr. Eddie. Thank you so much for having me here. <laughs> Absolutely. You'll have to say, he is a little nervous to be here, but we're going to welcome him with open arms and show him there's nothing to be afraid of on our show, Eddie. Nothing, I promise. <laughs> so today we're going to address very specific things. And today I'm going to start with hygiene, because I think hygiene is so very, very important when we're talking about sex and health in general. So one of the big things that we should know is that um, ideas about femininity, hygiene, and the moral body are interconnected. So basically, gently cleaning yourself after sex can protect men and women from infections like urinary tract infections, uh, washing around, not inside, the vagina and your genitals with plain warm water. You can try some mild soaps, but if you have a sensitive skin and you already have an infection, they may dry out or irritate the area. So let's get really into it because obviously we know vaginas are self-cleaning, but now as we've discussed prior to this and working in adult films, we don't trust self-cleaning in adult. So we've done probably a lot of damage to our bodies because uh, in porn, we like to work with um, at least water douches where we can kind of clean the sheen is what I like to say because you want a clean looking penis and they don't ever want the, the white um, discharge to be on a penis. So we are always cleaning with like a water cleanse before it gets started and sometimes um, some very hard cleaners afterwards. Uh, I've definitely used boric acid in my vagina. I've used um, hydrogen peroxide mixed with water to kind of clear things out and hoping that I'm kind of keeping away from infection. But what I've learned today is that maybe just drinking a crap ton of water will be better for me than all of these other things I'm doing. 
So my question is, what about the douche water? Is that is just rinsing with the douche? Am I like actually hurting myself? What I would say about that, and I certainly can't speak to every vaginal microbiome because they're mm -hmm. all a little bit different, of course. Uh, but from what I understand, my colleagues in gynecology would say that any kind of douching is actually creating uh, mm -hmm. a change in the environment, yeah. and that's actually bad. So what I would say to that is since it's self-cleaning, um, it really is like a miracle of the world, right? Right, and so listen to that, guys. Vaginas are miracles of the world. Lord, it's a miracle. Note that. <laughs> right, fair enough. Um, it does self-clean. Now, what you had suggested about uh, other types of uh, chemicals, mm -hmm. it, it really creates an environment for BV. It mm -hmm. does really create an environment because you're changing the pH. And BV um, being bacterial vaginosis, which I am a regular sufferer of. So, yes. <laughs> I, I would act, based on what you well, we were talking about earlier, I would actually be surprised if more people in the adult film industry don't also have some of these mm -hmm. uh, types of issues. Regular occurring problems. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and it's a direct relationship to, to using some of these types of materials. Uh, and now, and we're, this isn't exactly where we're at, but because you said using different materials, such as lubricants, are also going to throw off a pH balance as much as a regular penis would, right? Uh or no, more so? Less so. Less so. I would say less really? so. Really? Less sure. so on the lubricant than an actual penis throwing off my pH? I mean, the, 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 the vagina is designed to welcome the penis. Okay. Welcome, welcome. Okay. Uh, right? So, yes, it is. Right. Yes, it is. Uh, and so it does somewhat change the flora uh, okay. of the microbiome of the vagina, uh, but not in a negative way per se. Okay. And so what we're talking about, some of these things, things specifically are are variations in the pH levels mm -hmm. that are negative or bad, right? Mm -hmm. So that's where BV comes in and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Um, uh, regular sex isn't going to change it in the negative. Um, but you say that, but regular sex, but what if I have multiple partners? What if I'm having multiple penises that are going in there and that's going to really throw off the pH, right? I, I wouldn't say that the pH is going to be thrown off drastically, okay. I would say that there is going to be something like that. Okay. Um, what I, I certainly don't want to speak for uh, gynecologists that would certainly know more about the specific levels of the changes in pH for those kinds of things. Okay. I'd say that having multiple partners doesn't necessarily create any kinds of environments for infection or something mm -hmm. like that. And now, so obviously we know that water is a great way to just cleanse the body as a whole. It's going to be your natural diuretic. It's going to uh, help with so many other things, help with better kidney function, better liver function, all the things that water is a magical thing and can help do. Now on the uh, reverse of that, are there some liquids such as alcohol that are going to damage the, the vagina or the penis or anything? Are, are those having... Is alcohol or soda or any other kind of beverages having an effect on my on my pHs on my? What I'd say to that, and from what I understand in the literature and and, and mm -hmm. the data that's currently available, is that a healthy diet is critical to the microbiome of the okay. the vagina, and so uh, some of those things having a soda is not I don't foresee it okay. having an issue. Yeah. Um, but if it's part of uh, 
chronic issues with healthy or non-healthy eating behavior, then mm -hmm. of course it will. Okay. Uh, and so the best way, and I'm sure we're, we'll talk about this later, mm -hmm. but the best way to have a healthy vagina, uh, which should smell and taste like vagina, right. uh, is to have a healthy diet and have a healthy lifestyle. Now, is this going to be the same for, uh, say, a gay man and his anus? Is his diet also going to really matter for his anal health as well? Uh, well, diet matters for a variety of things. Right. Uh, if we're talking directly uh, in relationship to anal sex, mm -hmm. um, I'd say that diet has an impact on hygiene mm -hmm. for sure, right? And we can talk about the some of the current trends, which would be douching or enemas, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. and they really focus on different areas. Mm -hmm. uh, and so those distinctions, I think, are important, but overall... Um, a healthy diet will create a healthy body. And so yeah. it has a less of a direct impact. Okay. Um, but overall, I think it's still really important. I do love that you just mentioned douching and um, enemas because in my world, douching and enemas, a douche is for my vagina and an enema is for my bum. But in your world, you're saying for gay men, there is even a difference in um, a douching in an enema in in an ass is that in an anus can i not say that i can say ass i don't know how comfortable you feel with that i'm very comfortable with the word ass um does it ass. okay so here's the question for me because i only think enema in an ass but you don't that's not correct well uh, certainly the way i'm referring to it is douching which isn't which is really just dealing with the rectum. Mm -hmm. So anything in the rectum mm -hmm. will come out. Um, enema uh, includes the large intestine. So an enema usually involves maybe some downward dog type okay. approach that's going to have more water go deeper. Got it. Um, and so there's different reasons that people might choose to do that. Well, and I also think because normally an enema is medicated. Correct. And a douche would Sometimes. just be more or less the water cleanse. Yeah. Um, but for me, if I'm doing an enema on for set, I dump out all of the medicine because I don't want to have a, a running uh, anus. I don't want anything to be continuously coming out. I just want a clean swoosh in there. So for me, the enema is a dump out and then a refill with water and then it's just a clean splash. So I guess I'm still just douching my butt. I would be curious to know what type of medication, because usually it's saline or... That's in the enemas? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know what's in it, but okay. I just know that normally it makes you have to poop, right? <laughs> you usually have to go after because of the fullness in yeah. the rectum. Uh, and so... So it, regardless of if I had used a solution, it wouldn't matter? It wouldn't matter. Yeah, I don't think it would matter. God, I'm, I'm learning so much. Okay. <laughs> this, this is like blowing my mind because all of the things that porn has taught me for the past eight years are just going to go right out the window for me. So. Well, I mean, I, I certainly don't want uh, anyone to change any behaviors okay. that might cause other kinds of issues, right? right? And so by other kinds of issues, if you're distressed by any of these things, then you probably shouldn't be doing them. Okay. Uh, all of those kinds of things. I yeah. just want to make sure that that's clear. Yeah. Um, but back to enemas and douches, for guys at least, um, and it's interesting because a colleague of mine just finished doing a study uh, asking different guys what their hygiene processes are. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. And so some 
Uh, and this was for um, all males, or this was for strictly male sex performers? This was uh, across the board. Okay. So actually, there was uh, there was uh, trans participants. Oh, okay. There was uh, heterosexually identified men. There was uh, adult film stars. Oh, there was heterosexually identified men. Identified yeah. men. Okay. Uh, that enjoyed receptive anal sex. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. Okay. Right? So pegging, uh, yes. things like that. Okay. Uh, and so... Sometimes people would be unclear as to why they were having such a problem, and it would take so much longer, and it would be so much harder to clean. Uh, to clean, mm -hmm. uh, and so the enema component by in involving the large intestine actually becomes messier. You have to do it a lot more. Mm. Uh, it takes a lot longer. Um, but some people need that psychologically to feel clean. Mm -hmm. um, but it's really the rectum that the penis is entering or right. whatever it is, is entering. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's the area that that's typically needs to be douched right. versus an enema. Uh, okay. But that depends on diet, what, right. you, what you ate and when you ate it. The night before, yeah. Right. I and always tell people, like, before an anal scene, it's a 24-hour prep for me because it's what the food I ate the night before. Absolutely. It's what I drank the night before. I won't have alcohol because I don't want to have the runs. <laughs> so I want to have the most wholesome poop I can have. I get a lot of protein. <laughs> High fiber is yeah. really going to make all the difference. Uh, yeah. And so there is a lot of planning. Uh, yes. There is a lot of planning. Of course there is. Yeah. Um, but for people that are often ha engaging in anal sex, if you're engaging in anal sex every day or mm -hmm. every couple of days, you can't necessarily- Stop and clean and- Do all of that yeah. all of the time. So, you know, mm -hmm. higher fiber, uh, you know, eating a leafy greens isn't gonna make a difference in that case. It could Got probably it. just create more problems uh, trying to get those leafy greens through the body. Right. Whereas uh, high fiber is going to kind of pull everything Condense together it. yeah absolutely and so those differences are, are actually really important yeah uh and you know the internet has all sorts of reasons and all sorts of techniques and yeah. i would be hesitant to follow a lot of them yeah um but for the rectum as far as douching is concerned that's like a best practice yes right? and you yeah. don't have to be let's say in a, an awkward downward dog type position right to i do never that. do yeah you can do it like in the bathroom almost standing i do standing over a bit. Yeah. absolutely yeah. uh and so the difference with that would be that to get the enema component to include the large intestine you do have to like you do get the water further do the doggy uh, position where you right. go down on all fours. And that's what they suggest on the box. Right. When you look at an enema box, it tells you to get down on all fours and like put it in your butt. But I feel like at this point I'm a pro. So I'm just like, boop, 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 boop. boop. <laughs> <laughs> and then sit myself down, wait for the moment. Oh my God. Okay. It's happening. <laughs> I would say that the difference would be if you are including the large intestine. Okay. Right? Which I'm not. Yeah. It's typically not necessary, yeah. certainly, but uh, some people do feel more comfortable. Yeah. Uh, but it does take longer and a lot more. It depends if you're using like an anal bulb or if yeah. you're using an attachment to the shower. So right. there are limitations in, in what you have available as well. Yeah. Um, and so the, the shower attachment, attachments go a lot further into the rectum. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and so they might be more efficient. But let's say you're traveling and you're in a hotel and you don't have that luxury. Mm -hmm. You're taking a bulb with you. Mm -hmm. That bulb isn't going to do necessarily the enema component of mm. the lower intestine unless you get into that position, mm. which then requires many, many more bulb mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. experiences. Yes. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. And so all of those things I think are, are interesting and distinct and you don't really learn 
the difference between the two almost anywhere. Yeah. Like, no one really talks about it. It's about making sure that there's no poop on the penis when it's or whatever right. is coming out, right? Right. Uh, and so, but that's mostly in the rectum. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of nothing being on the penis when it comes out, let's talk penises. Let's talk um, circumcised versus non-circumcised penis. Now, personally, I love an uncircumcised penis. It's my favorite. I think they um, are just nicer. I like the way that they look. I like the, the way they feel because I love anal sex. And so I feel like a circumcised penis is a lot more... Um, difficult to take in the rectum than an uncircumcised penis. I feel the circumcised penis pops in and uncircumcised kind of glides itself in. Nice. No, is that, that's just my personal experience. But you had some things in here um, talking about how now there is more issues that can come with uncircumcised penis, but technically it is the healthier way. Is that, am I, uh, I mean, stretching too far? That's a little bit of a loaded question, okay. right? So like culturally we have a long history of circumcision, of right? Course. So ancient Egyptians circumcised, like people have been circumcising for a while. It's also been used as a weapon in both ways. Really? Right? So as a punishment or let's say, uh, in 1940s Germany, if you were circumcised, it was clearly problematic at the time, oh. right? And so they would often check and things like that. So there is a long history of circumcision being somewhat weaponized. I thought it was all religion. I had no idea. Well, I mean, to to know if someone is of a specific religion, mm -hmm. you would have to know if they're circumcised. In 1940s Germany, if you were circumcised, the chances were that you were a Jew. Jewish. Yeah. Uh, and so there you go. So pulling someone's pants down, seeing that they're circumcised, that was proof for sure. Wow. Whereas in Germany, circumcision rates are quite low, as most of Europe, actually, circumcision yeah. rates are. Yeah. And globally, I think it's only 33% of people are circumcised, right? Mm -hmm. And most of those are religious-based. Mm -hmm. uh, and there are some health reasons, mm -hmm. but there is a lot of tension in those kind of science debates mm -hmm. about what's better and what's not. Um, because you are uh, certainly susceptible to mm -hmm. illness, but not in uh, in the global, like not in developed nations. Okay. Um, and so, you know, if you have access to water and hygiene and all of those things, it's w way lower. Um, and there's also the possibility of HPV turning into different types of cancers. Okay. So all of those things, uh, but the frequency is pretty low. In developed nations. One thing that you said that really struck me that I'm learning today as well is that um, the schmegma, uh, which is also known as discharge, um, comes not only from a vagina, but also from uncircumcised penises. Absolutely. And a lot of people, especially guys, have some issues with it, right? Okay. Uh, only because uh, no one really talks about it. Where is it exactly coming from? Well, it's uh, the... the penis lubricates itself okay and so it like kind of coalesce like every penis lubricates itself uncircumcised penises you're it's an internal organ the head of the penis whereas oh, circumcised <laughs> whereas circumcised penises are turning an internal organ into an external organ so the skin thickens on the head of the penis whereas uh, circumcised uncircumcised penis has a more sensitive head, mm -hmm. right? Like your lips, mm -hmm. uh, there's a, a slight variation. So 
when there's a lot of debates as to how and why circumcision started historically. Um, and so to so, help prevent masturbation or decrease sensitivity are some of the kind of many reasons people have thrown out there. So qu quick question on that note, then, is that what they're taking away the, when, the, when they circumcise is some um, magical sensory? No, what they're taking away is the hood that protects the, the gland. OK. Right. And so by taking it away, the gland then becomes uh, changes its consistency, per se. And so it gets a little thicker and it gets a little bit more desensitized. Just a little Interesting. bit. Interesting. Right. Uh, and so. So the smegma isn't coming from the penis hole. It's literally coming from the penis. No, no, no. It's, it's coming. That whole area kind of lubricates itself. OK. Uh, and so and moisture is involved and so what it really takes to it's like five seconds to so i'm baffled right now okay. it's like five seconds to to clean it out uh, and you kind of okay. have to do it in the morning but it's not the same as like so when the pre-cum starts to come out and that is a lubricant obviously i very much know that <laughs> um but that's not the same it's very similar it's similar it's very similar yeah and, but it will turn white it does uh and it gets kind of thicker Okay. Right? So like some, it's it's a very nasty term, but some people have said like a cheese. Yes, I've of. heard that. Yeah, yeah, And so yeah. like it's a really negative connotation. Okay. Uh, but it's a natural kind of biological function that women have as well, right? Yeah. Uh, but it's usually uncircumcised penises that are known for it if uh, hygiene isn't like compulsory, mm -hmm. right? And so mm -hmm. really, uh, and we can talk about this as well, but uh, uncircumcised penises um, depending on what country, et cetera, mm -hmm. et cetera, mm -hmm. geographic region you're from, um, don't often pull back the foreskin when you're urinating, mm. don't often, a lot of those behavioral things. So should you be pulling it back when you urinate? You should, absolutely. Uh, only because what you're leaving is you're leaving the urine under the hood, mm. like under the hood. Mm -hmm. it sounds like a car. I get it, yeah. yeah. Pop the hood. Yeah, uh, yeah. Under the hood of the I penis. I love riding those cars, by the way. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so you you should be pulling it back, but okay. uh, a lot of guys don't. Hmm. Uh, and so, the U.S. has a lower percentage of uncircumcised penises if we're not including immigrant populations. Mm -hmm. But there's certainly been uh, some advocacy and some changes in that direction. And you mentioned something about um, in the infants of circumcision. So you did mention that sometimes it can almost be painful. It's for the infant to have it pulled back? So you shouldn't pull it back because it's still connected with a membrane. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. A until what age? What is, well, where does so that? There, there's no hard and fast. Okay. Right? Uh, so that can be anywhere from infancy to two or three years. Right? Hmm. Uh, and so pulling it back can actually be quite painful for the child. It, are parents who are not circumcising their children, are they told this? Because I would think if I were a parent of a child and I didn't circumcise, I would think to myself, oh, I must pull this back and clean. I would. Uh, I can't speak to yeah. that specifically. Yeah. I'd say probably. OK. Uh, because I think it's pretty, a pretty common it conversation. Is? Oh, now. I didn't know that. Uh, OK. Only because before most people were being circumcised, like most children right, were just right, being right, circumcised. Right. And that came from a variety of reasons, because adults didn't want the child to be. Uh, picked on or bullied mm. you didn't want to look different in the locker room mm -hmm. you didn't want to look different from your dad mm. uh, at least here in the US mm -hmm. uh, but that's really changed uh, so now there are people that are having skin grafts to put it back to put it back yeah now will that give them sensitivity back that there's 
lots of debate there, and okay. the chances are unlikely. Unlikely, yeah. Um, but it does... Because it's not going to be their skin, or is it? Is it grafted from a part of their body? It should be, yeah. Okay. Because uh, otherwise your body would potentially reject, reject it. it yeah. My God. So interesting. Okay. Okay. So, um, m moving on, I have so many questions for him. Um, so the next question, um, you did mention obviously after sex, you should be, um, going to the bathroom, both men and women. Now I have always gone to the bathroom immediately after sex, but I don't feel like my partners always have. So that's good to know. And then you mentioned you can cuddle after sex and kind of have that moment. Now I don't have a lot of like intimate sex. A lot of my sex is camera and very much paid um so I'm not a cuddler so I don't have that moment I immediately go straight to a bathroom but if I were in a relationship and I did want to cuddle can I lay there for five minutes or three minutes or should I get up immediately and go pee I, I would say that immediately is a problematic kind of way to phrase it um soon okay you know uh, okay the only reason I said the cuddling component was yeah. that you don't really want to take away from that experience and all the of those sex, things. Yeah. It's not a like, oh my God, we just orgasm. Let's, Let's get this out. Right. Yeah. Uh, you're just trying to clear any potential bacteria from. Okay. And men, if they're not, they should definitely be doing okay. that as well. Uh, and if you're engaging in anal sex, any of those things as well, mm -hmm. um, definitely. But that requires extra drinking of water. Mm -hmm. uh, and so being extra full of water when you're engaging in sex can have its own problems. And so the uncircumcised men um, after sex with them, because you did mention after urination even, they can get the urine stuck in the folds of the penis, which can then cause more bacteria to grow. So should they, instead of just peeing after sex, should they go immediately and wash their penis after sex? Uh, yes. 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 Okay. Yeah. Now is that... There, there's not that many where it's a hard and fast okay. rule, and you don't have to do it the second it happens, but mm -hmm. you should indeed, yeah. Yeah, because that might be a little offensive if immediately after sex you go and wash your dick off. <laughs> Make sure you get rid of all of her juices. Fair enough. Yeah, but um, okay, interesting. So everyone drink your water and... Definitely. ...wash your stuff. Um, I'm an avid washer. I'm a multiple times a day shower. I can't go to bed without a shower. I can't wake up in the morning without a shower and I shower after the gym. So I'm a two to three time a day shower. Am I hurting my vagina by washing too much? Well, are we talking about the vagina, which is the internal component no, of it, outside. or the vulva? The vulva, outside, right? yeah. So uh, the labia minora, majora, and the clitoris, mm -hmm. uh, it depends if you're using abrasive soaps or scented soaps. That can certainly mm -hmm. create problems because mm -hmm. you're drying skin, mm -hmm. etc on the internal component as we were talking about earlier the 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 vagina itself which mm -hmm. is kind of like the canal to the cervix mm -hmm. and the uterus etc um that area kind of is self-cleaning okay and you don't really want to mess Touching, with that it yeah. really does everything that it needs to do for itself now you might not know this and if you don't know the answer you can tell me to f off um but here's my question because i was suffering from bv on such a regular occurrence I was like, am I just washing incorrectly? So I actually Googled because I like to have some knowledge of exactly how I should be washing my vagina to avoid, like, let's say, poop particles getting into my vagina. So 
in the actual shower. And now this is what I found Google wise. You tell me if Google is wrong or if you don't know, then fuck off. Um, but this is what Google said. So Google said, start with your pubic hairs and wash your pubic hairs first. And then it said, move to the anus, wash your anus. And then lastly, wash the outside of the vagina out the in between the labia minor labias yeah thank you does that sound accurate or from what i understand in the literature and from my my colleagues in gynecology um you definitely wiping from front to back, front to back is yes. critical yes um how you clean the labia majora which is the pubic hair area mm -hmm. um water Maybe a, a soft soap, soft, yeah. a soft soap that's mm -hmm. not scented mm -hmm. is the way to go. Mm -hmm. um, I don't, I don't know if it would make a drastic difference if you're cleaning that whole area in a specific routine okay. or okay. kind of fashion. Okay. Um, but I'd, so if you have concerns about it, I'd yeah. certainly say that you should probably speak with your gynecologist. Okay. Um, about specific. Yeah. kind of processes. That's where my process has been now. Now I'm like hair, butt, vagina. <laughs> like I don't mix them up now because I'm like, was I washing poop into my vagina without knowing it? Just getting into the shower after a poop and then just washing it all as one and, and putting poop in my vagina? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. They're so close to each other. And I was like, have I been improperly washing this whole time? I can't speak to the specifics of it, but I'd say <laughs> probably going from front to back. Might okay. Make sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I like this. I like it. Okay. Um, moving on here. Um, wait, health, uh, Andrea. Where are we at on time right now? Oh, we're uh, we're getting close. Okay. Um, actually, I think we're. Oh, I have one other quick question that I definitely want to hit. Um, okay. So you had one thing on here that obviously we want to avoid, like um, scented uh, soaps or anything like that. But you had mentioned um, the trimmed pubic hairs, and you said avoid. So are we avoiding trimming? No, no, no. We're um, that actually the way that sentence was structured was was more like notes. Okay. Uh, so oh. trimming is actually great. Okay. Okay. Because uh, it keeps. I agree. Down, right? Okay. So. Uh, well, I'm only talking about bacteria. <laughs> okay. Etc. Right. So trimming oh. is actually really good for that because it doesn't kind of block everything. Interesting. In uh, how much it's making a difference, I'm sure, is up for debate. Okay. <laughs> we will try again. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, I have learned so much just in this general conversation. Um, so thank you so much, Dr. Eddie. I'm sure our viewers have learned so much in this episode as well. And if you have any more questions for Dr. Eddie yourself, um, please feel free to uh, write in the comment section and we will get to the questions um, as soon as we can. And I would love to know what you have questions about because they're obviously going to be different than my professional questions because um, I'm taking a lot more dick than I feel like the most uh, average uh, societal person is. So maybe I might be a little higher risk. Maybe. Who knows? Maybe. Who knows? Uh, but uh, this has been great. Thank you so much, Dr. Eddie. Uh, and that's all for this episode of Personal Hygiene. And until next time, guys, adios.